Welcome to another episode of Morelia Python Radio. This is episode 539, and in this episode, we are talking with Glenn Bartolotti from Project Sinus, Florida. He's a herper on YouTube that focuses on the sandhills of Florida. We're heading there next week to meet with Phil Wolf and Nipper Reed of Vemmon Exchange Radio. We are on the hunt for, obviously, we're going to try to tick off a couple more Crotalis off the list. And, of course, the Florida pine snake. Maybe a simus, maybe an indigo snake. We'll see what happens. But before we head down there, we're catching up with Glenn. Let's see what he says about uh, what it's like herping down there in Florida. All right, let's get into it. Awesome. Good afternoon. Today we have uh, Eric and I are joined by Glenn Bartolotti of Project Simus Florida on YouTube. We came to, or I came to find the channel from Eric based uh, on the prep for our upcoming Florida trip and uh, just love the channel. It goes back a handful of years. So we're going to chat through with Glenn in terms of, uh, you know, the classic questions associated with what got him into herping, herping Florida um, and the, the channel. So welcome, Glenn. Okay, thank you. Thanks for having me, and uh, I'm going to do my best, and I I know I'm going to enjoy this. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, bro. So, Glenn, what uh, what got you into herping? Okay, well, (laughs) I I turned 64 years old uh, the next week, the 14th. Um, So, growing up, uh, my parents, we moved to Temple Terrace, which is a small community in central Florida. And I was a block from the river, from the Hillsborough River. So growing up, it was outdoors all the time. You know, back in the late 60s, early 70s, I was down at the river fishing all the time. And, and of course, fishing was like the main thing, but I was always seeing snakes. You know, we'd have we'd have fish on the stringer and then all of a sudden a brown water snake or a banded water snake would be eating <laughs> eating one of the fish on the stringer <laughs> or an alligator would come up, you know, that kind of stuff. So it, that was a big interest at the time too. And uh, once I learned how to swim, I, I was allowed to go to the river by myself and that, that was it, man. I was, I was hooked. I was down there all the time fishing, looking for snakes. And then when we got a, my neighbor got a canoe, we were canoeing the river and finding water snakes all over the branches of the trees and this, that, and the other. And so looking for snakes was a, an, out, an outlet from the fishing, I guess. And so then I would start, you know, collecting snakes and bringing them home and putting them in cages and whatever. And one time I brought an alligator, a small alligator home, freaked my mom out and I had to take it back to the river. But that kind of stuff when you're a kid, just it stays with you. And, you know, there was – in Florida, there was a lot more animals and habitat back then because there's more animals than people. Now there's probably more people than animals. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> um so then, you know, I, I got to high school and uh, I didn't do as much of that stuff anymore. And then I got married pretty young, about at 23 years old. And that not, that's, that would be my ex-wife. I'm remarried anyhow. But we would go out herping once in a while at night, driving around some roads, which they're all populated now here in Florida. But they had lots of snakes on them back then. Um, but then, I you know, it was just a not really a big thing 
But then once my son was born and he got older, then he wanted to go out hiking all the time. And we went hiking and we saw a few snakes one time. And at that time I had a digital camera uh, when digital cameras were kind of coming out. It was a big thing. So I took a few photos of some pygmy rattlesnakes. And, and then it was at the time he was into, uh, I guess it was Pokemon. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Pokemon or one of those cards. So he, he wanted to find all the different snakes in our area and reptiles, amphibians, frogs, you know, uh, lizards. So it was like a thing for us to do because I was going through a divorce. He was with me a lot. In fact, I ended up raising him. Uh, so he was about 10 years old then. And so he was like, Dad, you know, I want to let's see how many we can collect, like, you know, like he does the Pokemon cards or whatever. So we go out and take photos of snakes and lizards and frogs and whatever. And he's like, he goes, Dad, why don't you write a book? So I, I started just putting photos and text into pages on the computer and printing them out so he'd have something to look at. And it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then I was like, well, heck, why don't I just do a field guide for you know our area? So I ended up, I had all the herbs. I had... I had lizards and frogs and snakes. Um, and so it got to be where, okay, let's just narrow this down to snakes. So I wrote a field guide for Hillsboro, Pinellas, Pasco, and Hernando County, just the snakes. And that was on Amazon for a while. And, and I sold, I didn't sell a lot, um, but it was just something to do with my son and, you know, an accomplishment and show him that, you know, things you can get things done, and uh, if you put your mind to it, and you don't give up. And so that book was was published for a while. Then I just you had to pay like sixty dollars a year to to publish, republish it. And I was just like, finally, I was just like, it's not selling enough. So I just quit doing that one. But um, so during that, around that time. Uh, we, you know, I was I was getting into herping more because of my childhood, and then being with him, and then he he got older and he quit doing it, and oops, and so um, I I continued it because I was meeting you know biologists and people and and that were into this stuff, and so. At some point on Facebook, I I contacted Jeff Bean in North Carolina because he was studying H. Simus uh, and pine and I think northern pine snakes, and he had he had some that he was radio tracking, and so I contacted him because I I had gotten a, a southern hognose and H. Simus here that somebody found they were doing some development in. Uh, Northeast Tampa, uh, Hillsborough County, and somehow it got to me through a pet store. They gave it to me, and I was like, wow, this is such a cool snake. When I was younger, I had found eastern hogs, but I never found a, a southern hog. And I thought this was the coolest snake ever. And so I was like, I got to find more of these. And, and so at this point, sometime around at that point, I had contacted, like I said, Jeff Bean, in North Carolina, he's just a freaking awesome guy. He he's worked at the Museum of Natural History in uh, I guess Raleigh, 
So, like I said, he was tracking uh, an adult H. Simus, and he had, I think, one pine snake. So he invited me up. Me and my son went, and it was it was just great. Um, I was hooked. Like so, I came back and I started Project Simus Florida. And if you go to my webpage, it says inspired by the work of of Jeff Bean and 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 Tom Thorpe because they Tom was with us at the time too, and he had been working a lot with Jeff. Um, so I just started this website, free website. I was like, what the heck? And so I was out hunting all the time and I, and I, you know, was finding assignments here or there or whatever. And I was getting better and better at it. And I was getting, you know, I was getting other people in Florida involved. You know, they'd send me a, I knew if they found something, I'd say, Hey, you know, send me the photo and just give me the County and I'll put it on the website. So I've got a bunch of photos of, of uh, stuff from different counties and you know I try to get people involved and you know I don't want the exact spot I just want the county let's put the county on there um well as time goes by that's that's probably just a no-no now but um they're still there and so I got really involved in it and then I added I guess pine snakes maybe a little later but at some point I I was I worked as a graphic designer for my whole career I mean I worked 20 years at Johnson and Johnson, the medical company, as a graphic designer, and then I got laid off there during 9/11. And after that, I worked at some other pretty good-sized medical companies, Bausch and Lomb and Bristol Myers. Um, so I was working these different jobs, and I got laid off, you know, here and there from them. So one time I was laid off, so I volunteered <clears throat> for the FWC and. When I did that, I met I met Kevin Inge, who's basically the head scientist for herpetology there, and we were we were doing um, gopher frog tadpole surveys, and he, you know, I was helping him, and we were we were getting DNA samples. He says to me one day, we're out there. He goes. So you could find uh, hognose and pine snakes pretty well, I see. And I go, well, I don't know how well, but I've, I'm, I can find them. I've been in Florida my whole life, and I kind of know where to look, this, that, and the other. He's like, well, I got some money coming up for a study. If you'd like to um, work the study, it's a road cruising study. This was in 2013. And I said, I said, oh, okay, Kevin, yeah, sure. Sounds great. You know, I was out of work, and... My mother had just passed away. It was one of those situations. So I was like, it was just amazing that a couple of months later, I, I was like, oh, he's never going to call me. And he called me and he said, you still want to do that study? And I said, sure. So I started the rare snake study um, with uh, Stephen, the late Stephen Chrisman. He, he's also a Florida naturalist, biologist, um, just famous for all his papers, He's written on all types of stuff in Florida. But anyhow, he was on the study up in the Panhandle, and then I had the peninsula. So I studied uh, short-tailed snakes, pine snakes, and southern hognose snakes. So that was 2013. Then I got back into the workforce, and I was working as a graphic designer again. And uh, I guess back, and then at, 20, what was it, 2018, I was out of work again. And I was, like, sick of doing graphics. I had been doing graphics in for about 30 years. And uh, so I was like, 
I'm just tired of graphics, and I really don't want to get another job in graphics. And then all of a sudden, one day I get an email from Kevin. He's like, hey, we got a pine snake study, and it's radio telemetry. And you did some telemetry with, with Jeff Bean and, and uh, North Carolina, you know, put that on your resume, whatever, and, and send it to me. And it was, it was in another division. Um, it really wasn't under him, but he got me in doing it. And so that was amazing because that was one year. It was actually, there was another guy doing the study, uh, Ricky Horton, Horton, and uh, he was going off to graduate school, I think in Texas. So he had to, had to leave. And there was one year left on the study. So I started uh, after his year. And I worked from 2018 to 20, April of 2018 to April of 2019. And it was just amazing. I was out in the habitat every day. I had about 20 pine snakes at two locations. Uh, you know, it was like, it was like eight of them at one location and two at another, some, you know, kind of thing. And every day, I, I, even if I didn't see them, I knew where they were. And that was the, that was even just as good as seeing them. Because it was really interesting to know where they were, because the whole study was a, um, a home range study to see their home range, see how far they they traveled, and uh, it was a lot. You know, it was a lot of habitat study, what type of habitat they like to stay in, bask in. You know, I was taking data for all that stuff, and so I did that. And, and the other thing that was really cool about that study is each I had two locations and two counties that I went to. And each location had box traps. And the box traps were these, a, a large wooden box with uh, four sides. And um, we had, that's how we actually got most of the pine snakes. We're trapping them and then putting them in the program, getting transmitters put into them. So... Every time I'd go out, I had five traps at each location to check besides uh, tracking the pine snakes. So I was finding all kinds of stuff in the tracks, in the traps every every time I went out, you know, from hog snakes to diamondbacks to racers, coach whips, uh, skunks, birds, uh, frogs, oh, uh, lizards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was like this was, a, <laughs> this was like a smorgasbord. <laughs> Of everything, and, and it was really interesting because certain times of the year, you know, I, I you'd find certain ones a lot, and then all of a sudden you wouldn't see them anymore, and there'd be another species that I, that was that was moving more. So that That's was wild. really interesting. I learned a ton from that. And yeah. I'll tell you what: if you're out in habitat with an animal or just any animals for that long, you do it all the time. You really, really come to respect the natural history of all these animals and, and what it takes for them to survive and, and to breed and to have food and home ranges and, and, and interaction with other animals and, and the habitat. It's just, once you learn that you have a whole different uh, attitude about our environment, habitat, stuff like that. And you, and, and you really start seeing how it's so important that it, it doesn't get interrupted. And when it does, especially here in Florida, um, when it gets interrupted like that, that's when we get the invasive species coming in. When the habitat's changed, you can't expect that the same species are going to live there. They just, 
you've altered it so much that they, they can't. They're not going to move back in. There's nothing there for them. So that's right. when the invasives move in. And that's that's kind of a big deal here in Florida right now. But uh, but that's that's how Project Sime has started. And uh, I, I guess I went a little further. And I just kept growing the website, and people would be like, well, what is Project Simus? And I'd be like, it, it's my passion. And, you know, they're like, well, what does it do, or what do you do? And I'm like, I told you, it's my passion. But what it did do is it got me two jobs. That uh, The Pine Snake job was the funnest year of my life. I mean, I had a great time being a graphic designer. Don't get me wrong. It was a great right. career. But as far as a whole year of doing something that you did as a hobby <laughs> – <laughs> I didn't even care if I got paid. Right. It was a blast. And I was exercising every day. I was walking through habitat with equipment, holding a, a big wand antenna. And, um, and I was in great shape. <laughs> I was like no body fat. I was just in the best shape of my life. I felt great. I was doing what I wanted to do. I didn't right. want it to stop. <laughs> and so I basically have kept, kept doing it. I still, I still volunteer and I help Kevin. In fact, uh, next week I'm going to go out, um, on a alligator snapper turtle survey. They, they found alligator snappers in central Florida here in a river, homeless as a river that they've never been documented in. And so we're, we put the traps out one day and then the next day we go and check them. And I have one video on my web, on my YouTube channel uh, on the last time I went on a survey that shows the alligator snapper. So it's, it's going to be really interesting. Those things are amazing. So, but that's, that's pretty much project Simon's Florida in a nutshell. And then I just, after the pine snake study, my son had always told me, why don't you do YouTube? Why aren't you doing YouTube? All this stuff that you're finding and doing, Oh my God, everybody be watching it. So I started it late. I probably should have started, you know, years and years ago, like he told me, but, uh, I just, I did it because I had some footage from the, the pine snake study. So I put some of that together and I just made a video and stuck it out there. I was like, if nothing else, I'm going to watch it when I'm an old man. You know, I need to watch it or, you know, it's right. like yeah. I'll document, you know, what I did. And, and it was, it's actually really pretty interesting because in the first video, you see where the pines uh, hang out in the winter months. I pretty much just did the winter months. And, uh, and that's that pretty much so far, I guess, for Project Science Florida, you know, that's, that's pretty much the history right there. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, <clears throat> as far as uh, the YouTube goes, do you do, um, I mean, are you just basically in that one area? Do you move around all of Florida or I can't um, remember if we're talking yeah, I, I, you know, see, so I, my biggest interest is the rare snakes because once Kevin, you know, Kevin Ingia of FWC, you know, said, you know, he, he, I just, I guess because he had confidence in me or it just made me feel like, wow, you know, I, I'm a somebody, I know something, <laughs> you know? So it's like, so after the, after 2013, after I did the rare snake study, I was like, that's it. I was all in. I'm looking for, for short tails, pines and thymus. That's all I'm doing. I'm just looking for them. And I was, you know, letting him know when I'd find some or, or give him data. And I was giving him data for other, uh, things I was finding too, like tiger salamanders in Florida and mole salamanders and 
we were still doing gopher frog surveys. In fact, gopher frogs were listed in Florida, and by all the surveys, now they're not even listed. We found so much uh, data on them, and, and they unlisted gopher frogs, which listing to me is that's a whole other subject. Listing animals right now is kind of silly, but um, so yeah, so gopher frogs, and then I, I did some striped newt surveys with Kevin, and uh, and now the alligator snapper. So I do those kind of side stuff with with FWC still because I. I know gotcha. Kevin so well. Kevin, like, will go with me to Georgia and we'll flip kings and look for king snakes. There's a couple of videos where he's with with us uh, going to Georgia. Um, yeah, as far as my herping goes, that's my main focus. But in off season, like in the winter, I'll, I'll go to Flatwoods and I'll I'll look for scarlet kings or I'll look for other animals and uh, getula lamprey peltus getula king snakes in Florida because they're becoming more rare and and most of the peninsula. Um, that's a whole nother thing. I, I've been trying to tell Kevin, let, let me study king snakes because I want to know why they're disappearing. But that's something that's, that's just not happening right now. Um, but yeah, my main focus is sand hills, which is the mm-hmm. upland areas on the ridges of Florida and the ridges where the islands uh, that were here when Florida was basically underwater. And so there's a lot of species that are just uh, endemic to those these areas of the ridges. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my main, my main focus. That's my passion. That's, that's what I look for mostly like, uh, Sunday we found a baby pine snake. That's going to be on the next video. And I found a baby Simus yesterday. Nice. The babies are being born right now. So that's awesome. So that's, that's, it's, that's my, my thing. <laughs> is there uh so I've, it's a two part question. Number one, uh-huh. is there any species that you, haven't seen that you're this is like on your your lifer list and number two spending all that time in the field is there anything that you like what's your biggest takeaway from snake like just learning about snakes i imagine all that time in the field you must just have a whole different mindset when it comes to snakes is there anything that like blew your mind or um well i i think from the study i came away from the pine snake study with a whole different outlook on temperature uh, I learned a lot about temperature and how how I used to think. I used to think one way about temperature and snakes, and I learned a lot that no, they they could be out when it's really cold, basking. And I was always thinking they were always down in the gopher tortoise burrows or the pocket gopher burrows right. or undercover or underground. But I was really amazed at how on really cold days they might be out basking. And especially, like you can see it in my first video, uh, you know, I'd find a pine snake in full blue and shed, eyes totally covered over, basking on a, you know, 50, 50, 60 degree weather day in, a, in the sun where it might be 50 or 60 degrees. But he found a place in the sun where he's got a few loops of his body out in the, um, you can see in the sun, just thermoregulate. And I do, and I did some IR temperature. And it, like I said, it might be 60 degrees, but, you know, on his skin, it was like 70, 75 degrees. So that that was one of the really, really cool things I learned from that. And as far as the takeaway of being out there, I, I've learned that, that habitat is just the most important thing. I mean, 
preserving the natural habitat for specific animals that live in specific types of habitat is just hugely important. Uh, we, we've lost king snakes through, like I said, the peninsula of Florida. And I think a lot of that is from development, from hydrology, alteration. They, they constantly dig in canals or changing the waterways here in Florida. And, and I think a lot of that, there was, a, there was terrible droughts in the 60s and 70s. No, the 70s and 80s, I'm sorry. And, I mean, just terrible droughts in Florida. And king snakes, you know, rely on, on wet areas. And I, th- I think a lot of places, like I said, the hydrology has changed. The, the roads have fragmented a lot of their habitat. And historically, my take on it is, this is my hypothesis, is that there's no place for them to backfill from anymore let's say a let's say a hurricane comes and there's a lot of king snakes on the coast and let's say a hurricane comes and and just wipes out a lot of stuff animals on the coast which surprisingly i found they they can survive hurricanes pretty much amazing um things like that but when there is a population that gets destroyed there's no place for them to backfill from and I think that on my website, I have a, I'm not on my website, on my, on my YouTube channel, I have a, a video uh, by Stephen Godwin. He studied king snakes at a place called Rainy Slough in southern Florida. And Rainy Slough has this like bridge that was wooden bridge and a dirt road. And he was studying there and he, he, if you watch the video, he found lots of king snakes. Well, they ended up paving the road, tore down the wooden embankments of the wooden bridge, which the king snakes were actually living in the wooden embankments in tunnels, and they were living on on the levee there along the dirt road in rodent burrows. Which, if you look for king snakes, usually they're just sitting outside of rodent burrows and just shoot right down them on on the. Um, on the levees in, in South Florida and stuff like that. But anyway, so they, they altered, they, they paved the road. They put a concrete bridge. When he went back uh, years, I think it was like 10 years later, whatever, no king snakes, they're all gone. Couldn't find any. He went uh, two different times, like with two or three through two or three years in between each time, no king snakes. I've been down there. I got so interested in his video and heard about this place i went i've been there twice now in the last couple of years i see no evidence of them either so that's an example right there that you can knock out a whole population there was no place for them to backfill into that area and their whole habitat which was you know artificial it's, it it was altered changed killed killed probably all of them and they're all gone and he shows in the video a lot of their food sources are gone now. And he's saying some of that is from invasive snails, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and uh, tropical fish that are invasive wow. in, the, in the area from tropical fish farms and stuff like that. They eat the eggs of the amphibians. The snails are eating the eggs of amphibians and stuff like that, that the other animals were eating. <laughs> the whole food, basically, when you watch the video, the whole food chain was destroyed. Yeah. And so that's why I'm saying the habitats are so sensitive that you could 
alter them just a little bit and you're going to wipe out tons of species. And that, like I said, so that's why in my videos, I say protect the habitat. Right. I, I try to say it all the time, just get in people's heads, which, you know, I don't know what it's going to do, but it's, that's the best I can do for that. And uh, I think I answered your question on those. I'm not sure. If not, let me know. Yeah, the only other one was, uh, is there a species that you haven't seen yet that you... Oh, um, hmm. Well, I've seen, I've hunted for South Florida mole kings a bunch of times, and I've seen DORs. Mm-hmm. Um, I go with my friend Garrett Kraft a lot. He went out one night, and I told him where to go. He was hunting <laughs> he found another it. spot. And I was on the phone <laughs> with him, and I said, go to this spot now. And he knows the story. <laughs> I was at home, and he was out there with another guy, and I go, Garrett, what are you doing? Go to this road right now. And he went to the road about an adult. <laughs> and uh, he st- actually still has that one. I had it for a while. I was re- I was keeping it for him. That's gotcha. that's the one in the video on South Florida Mole Kings. Oh, okay. I gave it back to him. He's got it now. Uh, well, okay. That's that's one. I haven't found a North Florida Mole King. Uh, a friend okay. of mine has found two. But see, the Panhandle, where those... Their range is so small. The North Florida mole king snake is in a maybe a county or two, and the South Florida mole king is in a county or two, and they're and they're all just broke up and fragmented, and, and it's very hard to find them. And the panhandle uh, population of the red ones uh, is four and a half hours from me, so it's just not like you know I'm just gonna go up there for a day or two and find one they're very hard to find so those are two that i really haven't found all the way i mean i've i actually had a a gravid south florida mole can got the eggs and i hatched those so i've i've done a lot of stuff with south florida mole king i haven't found uh any any of the snakes in the keys like the keys ring neck or the uh, rimrock crown I haven't found those. Like I said, that's five, six hours from me. Um, you know, there's a few subspecies like the Atlantic salt marsh snake. I haven't found one of those because I really don't look. Right. So yeah, there's just a couple, but I've gotten pretty much all of them that I can think of, amphibians and frogs. There's a few frogs nice. I haven't gotten, um, maybe one or two salamanders here and there, but there's – Snake wise, I've got pretty much all of them, just a couple. That's what keeps you going back, right? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> yeah, sometimes, but most of the time, I, I stick to my my bread and butter, and I'm looking for pines and short tails and, and simus. It's just a gotcha. Okay, just the thing that I do, man. <laughs> it's like it's my it's my passion. It's my love. I get it. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, and certainly I agree that that is the, you know, protecting the habitat is the consistent messaging of all your videos. I know you had alluded to this earlier, but um, what do you make of sort of the protections that are imposed upon species but are not, um, you know, the same isn't carried through for the habitat, right? So what do you make of the sort of legal status or protected status on pines or indigos and stuff like that, but destruction of habitat uh, at the same time is, um, you know, at least permissive, it's permissible, if not uh, promoted. 
Well, I mean, it doesn't take rocket science to figure that one out. If you destroy their habitat, like I alluded to earlier, they're done. Uh, I've, I've said it a million times, the worst thing they might have done to the indigo snake back in the 70s was listed because they haven't got more of, of indigo snakes <laughs> since they did it. And that's all because they have no place to go. An indigo snake's home range is even bigger than a pine snake's. And when you fragment all their habitat, they got to cross roads, and they don't even like crossing roads. They hate crossing roads. And, and there's an, an area in central Florida called the Green Swamp, and it's a huge uh, wildlife management area, huge. And it, but what it is is a watershed, um, which I guess the Hillsborough River starts from. But anyway, it's a it's a very wet area, and it's a large, large. You know, it's a, it, on Monster Quest. They say there's there's chimpanzees living there. You know, it's that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, gotcha. Bigfoot and all that. <laughs> right. well, there were indigos there. There's still a few, but they put they cut the whole forest in half with with this highway that that semi trucks drive now. And back when they put that road in, after that, people were saying they were seeing indigos dead all the time on that road. And I, I, I've been out there. I hunt out there once in a while when it's wintertime and I'm not looking for sandhill stuff. And I, I haven't seen an indigo. Uh, right now, indigos in Florida, you, you see one here or there. Somebody posts, you know, on a ID site or, you know, something similar. And they're like, well, what kind of big black snake is this? Is this a racer? You know, is this, you know, and it ends up being an indigo crossing a bike trail or, in somebody's yard or something. It's just, it's awful because these snakes, those snakes are amazing. And, you know, and back when I was a kid, they were all over the place. I mean, we, we looked at them as like black racers. And now it's like, we can't find them. When I was on the, the pine snake study, when I would drive uh, to my work site, I was driving dirt roads and I make sure <laughs> my route to the, uh, to my study sites were dirt roads so I could find stuff, you know, there and back. And I, um, I found two indigos just going to work. Um, but they're, they're far and few between now in Florida. In fact, the places, the go-to places to find them, I mean, people aren't finding them anymore. So, you know, I, I just, when you list an animal, I, I don't know what you're doing. And from what I'm hearing is once they're listed, then you can get uh, grant money to study them. So <laughs> it, you'd think it'd be better to have grant money to protect the habitat. So that's, that's my whole thing with that. Listing them does, does really nothing. I don't see what it does unless you're breeding them. So. Yeah, a hundred percent. That makes a ton of sense. What is the sort of protection status around? I know. So when uh, we go herping in Australia, theoretically at least, the law is such that you can uh, say for the invasive cane toads, you're uh, totally free to run over a snake with your car, but it's actually illegal to get out of the car and move it off the road. What is sort of the Florida laws around that stuff? If you see an indigo or a pine snake or a corn snake or whatever, is it uh, some you can touch, others you can't touch, even if it's moving off the road? What What's the deal with that? Well, in Florida, you know, 
it just all depends how well monitored an area is. Now, let's say you're in, in the Everglades. Uh, they monitor that pretty well. You're not allowed to touch anything on the roads there, uh, et cetera. And if they find out you're touching animals there, you can get, I know of some guys who've got like their video cards and their cameras taken away or something like that. Uh, you get fined. You have to be really careful in certain places, but other wildlife management areas or forests, there's really very little uh, uh, law enforcement that monitors that so it's pretty much just uh, just be careful you're you, you know nobody sees you or posts a picture of you doing it or turns you in that kind of thing you know like the pine snakes it's it's supposed to be no touch but you're allowed to have one pine snake per person in florida still which the <laughs> laws are goofy <laughs> Right. You can you can possess one pine snake, but you can't touch it. So I, I don't I don't I don't that one's that one's bizarre. Um short tail snakes are, are listed and you're really not supposed to touch those either. But I, I know herpers are touching them when they photograph them. I mean you have FWC L E just driving all the roads, all the dirt roads. I mean, there's just no way to enforce it, I don't think. And that's and that's the whole thing even with invasives. I mean, right now they're trying to stop invasives and trying to, to monitor even more or stop uh, breeders from breeding invasive stuff in Florida. But you're going to have people that are just going to release them now just out of spite. <laughs> so I think they were better off being friendly with the – the breeders to alienate them is that kind of thing. So that's, that's going on too. And, and I've talked about that. It's you destroy a whole you know, a whole natural habitat, and put houses in. What are you expecting to see when you walk out your front door? You're not going to see the, the native animals. Um, you're going to see the invasives that come in and can actually live in, in, in disturbed areas because there's like irrigation going on that was never there with, with watering lawns. Uh, they're spraying pesticides. So the invasives that can actually tolerate that, like Cuban tree frogs and cane toads and brown anoles and tilapia and cane toads. I think I said that, um, those are going to be the ones that survive. You know, they, they actually can. And if a native animal could survive in there, it would, but they, they don't. So like in my neighborhood, the only um, native species I see, I see once in a while a green and old, but we've got a million brown and olds. Uh, I don't see any tree frogs anymore except for Cuban tree frogs in my neighborhood. There's still Southern toads, which are native, but about two or three miles from me, my son lives in a townhouse, and he has retention ponds, and they're full of cane toads. They're in one of my videos. I mean, there's cane toads everywhere. So, you know, the, the yeah, the cane toads are taking over. They're in South Florida. They're, they're coming up here to Central Florida. I don't know how far north they're going to go. Uh, you know, we can we can work right into the pythons if you like. <laughs> yeah, sure. 
So, yeah. so you know, let's let's get everybody straight on the pythons here. Um, pythons are not eating everything in Florida. Um, the truth is, they're never going to get rid of pythons in the Everglades unless they nuke the place and get rid of all the people and the uh, who's living down there and and the, the native species. There's just no way. The Everglades is huge. And these guys are catching, you know, 40 of them. They're not even putting a dent. They're just making money. And to me, it's causing more problems than it is anything good. Um, the pythons are not eating everything because they've, we've learned that the adults are eating, you know, one or two deer a year, one or two alligators, uh, you know, stuff like that. The Most of the babies born are getting eaten by king snakes uh that are actually still down there believe it or not and uh you know uh, raccoons and other mammals and birds and alligators and this and that so you know and their their eggs are getting eaten by other animals too so it's they're just part of the food chain now and and right. i i say it to everybody and they're probably sick of me hearing it but florida's a galapagos islands now I mean, we're just getting repopulated with, with species. And, you know, that's what happens when you alter yeah. your habitat. It's going to change. It's going to change dramatically. And uh, the only way to stop it is to stop development. Uh, and even if we were to stop development and bring some of the natural habitat back, where the the, nat- the native species going? They're not going to rain out of the sky. They're not going <laughs> to... <laughs> you know, they're not just repopulate. Right. They're not going to come out of the ground. So it's 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 a mess to me. I'm curious. I'm curious when you said them uh, them hunting uh, sometimes maybe can hurt it a little bit. Maybe you can go a little more into that. Like, what do you oh, mean? Hunting messing up the habitat. Yeah. Well, hun- hunting pythons. What happens is you get you get all these people down there just either killing all the snakes. They don't. A lot of people don't know what the difference between gotcha. a, a python and a green water snake at that size. Right. Or, you know, and then it just gives like permission just to kill everything. Gotcha. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's not the right way to go about it, you know? And, and it, it's, it's really funny because they're vilifying all these pythons and this and that, but and alligators have been in Florida forever. They're, they're just as dangerous, if not more dangerous. They're all through Florida. But, yeah, you got postcards in Florida with a girl in a bikini next to an alligator. You know, you can buy a postcard. <laughs> right. And then you go to, you go to the, uh, the, the little uh, thrift, uh, what is it, tourist trap places off the interstate, and they got alligator heads you can buy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, 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 it, there's just a lot of stuff that's silly about it. Um, yeah. The pythons aren't aren't a problem. I, I don't see that as a problem at all. Not not at all. So, as far as that goes, yeah, pythons. Okay. I don't I don't really care about them. And you know, and like I, I I've said before, I'd rather see some herb than no herbs. You know, right. wipe out everything. <laughs> which once that happens, I think humans are in, in big ass trouble anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, agreed. You know, once once we really destroy everything. But yeah, yeah that's it makes a ton of sense. 
Yeah. yeah. One, I mean, one that's... quick note, and I, I'm curious your thought on this. So, especially with the, you know, a lot of our conversation winds up dealing with Australia and Australian pythons. Are cane toads um, being invasive in Florida not quite as bad uh, a problem because at least you have other bufo or former bufo, so that animals are less. They're kind of trained to not eat things that have that body form anyway. Whereas Australia, it was like, oh, cool, well, you know, there's nothing that looks like this that we're used to not being able to eat. Well, I mean, hognose snakes would actually eat those cane toads, at least the smaller ones. But we don't have any hognose snakes in in the in the in the, the area yet. Yeah, in the in the in the disturbed habitats that where they live in anymore. So there's no natural predator for them. That's the other thing that, that happens when you destroy the habitat and get invasives. They don't have a, a predator. You know, it take, took a while for the pythons to get a predator. They have, they, they're, they're getting predated on. But they're getting predated on more than probably cane toads and Cuban tree frogs. I, I know rat snakes and garters and water snakes, they'll eat, they'll eat Cuban uh, tree frogs. So they're, they're mostly just loud. <laughs> in the in in neighborhoods now they're so loud and people are annoyed by them but hey you know that's what you get you're gonna get get that i mean used yeah. to used to i'd have uh native squirrel tree frogs like on my window and stuff here where i live they're all gone and there's a park down the road from my house grassy field that floods in the rainy season and the only thing breeding is cane toads i mean um not cane toads cuban tree frogs so that's the way it goes. Yep. So you mentioned or described sort of the deterioration of wild spaces in Florida since you started herping. Has it has it been sort of a consistent downward slope or is does it seem worse in the last five to ten years? It 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 has definitely gotten worse in the last couple of years since uh everybody's moving to Florida. Everybody from New York and Northern uh, States are moving to Florida. Um, there's a lot of people from New York coming here and they're just buying property to retire. And that, that's the other interesting, it's funny their, their, their pensions are coming to Florida instead of going back into New York. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting to see what happens in New York in the next five or 10 years. But that's, that's a whole nother story. But yeah, what's happened is they've, they're putting new toll road highways, you know, north to, to south. And along these these roads, they're putting huge developments. And, you know, the funny thing is, well, it's not funny, but is there, it's mostly big apartments because people can't even afford houses here in Florida anymore. They have to rent. So Because housing here is just, I mean, my house has... Quad quadru over quadrupled in price since I bought it in 1994. It's worth four times more than what I bought it now. So that's that's what's going on. And the the if you look like I I was looking at population explosions and Florida's 22 million now. If you look at like Canada, I don't even think can all of Canada has 22 million. Florida has 22 million people, Georgia 11. Wow. That's why there's, there's more herps in Georgia. Because <laughs> <laughs> in Florida, there's more people than herps. So right. that's that's the that right there is, is the biggest problem in a nutshell, is the population 
explosion here in Florida. You know, and and even before that, I didn't even touch on this as far as invasives. You know, the Spaniards, when they came to Florida, they dropped off hogs. And hogs are not native to Florida. The right. only thing native to Florida were deer, uh, turkey, um, you know, and just some small mammals like raccoons, stuff like that. So the hogs are, are terrible here. If you were to ask me between pythons and hogs, the feral hogs destroy, spread disease. They destroy the habitat. They spread disease with their feces. They eat everything. Mm-hmm. They eat they eat the pygmies. They eat any snake that they suck right up. Um, they destroy the habitat and leave just a bunch of nothing behind. They're, they're the worst invasive animal in Florida besides humans. They do the most destructive and they, and they do the least with them. They have, I mean, hunters put them on their property, you know, just like the Spaniards did so they can hunt them. They Mm, want them on their property. So it's bad with with hogs. Yeah. Hogs are terrible. I mean, you, you see in Texas how they hunt them and stuff. So they do the same here. And that's the other thing. Once the hunters start going after hogs and deer, they're shooting, they're shooting rattlesnakes and any big snake they see in the forest. I, I believe they're they're shooting them. I guess I shouldn't just assume, but we see a lot of dead rattlesnakes and a lot of dead big snakes when we go out herping during hunting season. And they, they you know, it's either hit by a car, or a truck, or they've been shot, cut their heads off, you know, the rattle stuff like that. So that's another thing, but that's. <laughs> It's another podcast. <laughs> right. So I know Phil, uh, our buddy Phil Wolf, who's down in Florida, he mentioned when we were kind of, you know, working through the itinerary for the trip, he there was one spot in particular that he was concerned about, or he mentioned, yeah, we got to watch out for hogs out there. So have you had any run-ins while you're out in the field? Or, you know, is that something that happens more so at night? And you've had any sort of encounters with them while you're uh, well okay i've lived here my whole life um and i see hogs when i'm out and they i mean every time they ran from me now i know that if they've got piglets with them just like a bear maybe you gotta you have to be more careful if you startle them and they got piglets then the the mother might charge you i've never been charged i've heard them and i see them running off so I, I wouldn't be concerned with hogs. I'd be more concerned with people in Florida. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. That, I, when I'm out, I'm more concerned about who I'm going to run into out there, what's going on, uh, what they're doing in the woods. Uh, but as far as the animals, no. Nah, mosquitoes and, and humans are probably the only thing that I worry about. Maybe yellow jackets and that's it. I, I run into yellow jackets once in a while. Okay. That's about it. I, I wouldn't worry about hogs. I really wouldn't. Okay. Good to, good to know. Uh, yeah. And what is the sort of ticks and chiggers situation like down there? Oh, <laughs> right now, that was, that was a great question because right now we found that pine snake. Garrett and I found the pine snake uh, Sunday, and we were just road hunting. But we got, you know, before we released the pine snake, we were photographing it. And so we took it into Sand Hill. And, of course, 
Garrett's laying on the ground and I'm on my knees photographing it. I got chiggers from my legs to my waist, like terrible, just terrible. Um, so chiggers right now, this time of year, really bad ticks, ticks. From what I can tell when I see guys in the, in these videos in the Northern States and they've got duct tape around their, their pants and shoes and waist and they've got lint rollers <laughs> rolling ticks. It's not like that in Florida. <laughs> Uh, it can be like that in Florida, like outside tortoise burrows. You can uh-huh. get sea ticks all over you, and it looks like you got pepper on you, and that's when you might need a lint roller. But if you're not like, <laughs> yeah, if you're not kneeling down around the tortoise burrows and in the sand around areas where mammals go, you're all, you're going to be okay. Ticks are not like like in the northern states. They don't have Lyme disease here either. There's no really much cases of that. I haven't heard anybody. So, not so that's like another good thing. So. Okay. But chiggers, <laughs> chiggers is another story. <laughs> <laughs> Mosquitoes is another story, depending on where you're at. Like I won't go in the swamps. I won't go in the flatwoods in the summertime at all because the mosquitoes are so bad. Uh, uh, EMP in, uh, in uh, Everglades. I won't herp. I don't herp down there at all, really. But I would never go down there unless it was January or February because of mosquitoes. I mean, they'll just they'll carry you away down there. I, I just won't really? go. I just it's it's just I it's not enjoyable at all. Mosquitoes <laughs> are so bad. <laughs> doesn't sound it no <laughs> no it, yeah don't don't go to everglades unless it's december january or february <laughs> yeah, okay and actually that's that's when her is actually really good down there because really? it's it's cooler uh you know then but it's not as cold as the rest of florida you know you might get just the coldest down there might be like 55 or 60 so you'll get more of the animals out basking the pythons will be basking on the canals and the king snakes will be basking you'll get the animals basking because of the cooler weather and it's, it's just way better down there at that time i'm curious with the cooler weather do you see a lot of um you know if you're herping at night or is it more like during the day catching them basking out yeah yeah that's definitely uh once the cooler weather hits you don't you don't road cruise but uh, you can okay. you can you might be able to road cruise Everglades in the winter at night on warmer days, you know, humid days, but central Florida to North Florida nighttime herping is pretty much shut off when it, when it's, you know, when you get cooler than, than 70 degrees at night. Right. uh, Yeah. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even mess with it at night. Gotcha. But during the day, you know, you can basking or outside burrows, you know, basking, stuff like that. On canals, you know, stuff like that. They'll be basking. It's actually, it's actually nice in the winter time to find some stuff like that. Yep. Cool. That's awesome. So, as uh, kind of both in line with what uh, the discussion here, and then something you had mentioned before, can we walk through some of like you mentioned seasonality of species? And I know that um, you know, right? The epithet Hogtober. Um, and all that stuff in terms of, I don't know if that's the seasonality of babies or if it's the temperatures and, um, 
just kind of walking through both what you would find right now um, in general in terms of this, what, September into October timeframe, what you could reasonably expect to see versus um, midsummer versus the winter in terms of particularly sandhill stuff. Okay, well, okay, then I'll just I'll just hit on sandhills. So sandhills, I don't I don't hunt sandhills at night. Sand most sandhill species are diurnal. Uh, pine snakes move during the day. Short tail snakes move during the day. They have been found. Short tails have been found at night. Baby pine snakes have been found at night. But if if you were to tell me, let's go herping and it's eight o'clock at night, seven o'clock. Okay, you go. I'm staying home. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's just it's 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 just not a thing. Now, if I go the same time with these with good temps through swamps, you know, roads that go through swamps or flat woods or wet areas, sure, I'm going to find water snakes, cottonmouths, pygmies, uh, fish snakes, swamp snakes, ribbons, garters. Rats, some rat snakes, stuff like that. And if that's your your game, then then yeah, you can do that. But as far as sandhills, nighttime is not the time to go. Daytime's the time to go. Um, so let's see. The way it works for sandhills is in the spring. I'm giving away so a lot of a lot of information here, so people are listening. They stuff a lot of people want to know. In the springtime, you don't want to go on a bluebird sky. You do not want to go herping in the sand hills on a bluebird sky. You want you want so clouds. You want rolling clouds. What's that? Okay, I've heard that in the videos, and it, yeah, I was wondering what that means exactly because I've heard you say it in the videos, and I wasn't sure for certain what that meant. Okay, bluebird sky is high pressure, so the humidity is not not very high. You want you want a little bit higher humidity, which is going to be because you see the clouds. And rolling clouds is what you want. So you want days like that. If you got bluebird skies with high pressure, I don't. The only thing I've ever found on those days in the spring is snakes out basking uh, by burrows. They stay close to the burrow and they just bask on those days. They don't. They don't cross roads. They're not on the move. Now, uh, the other thing is. Breeding and all that. Breeding takes place in the sandhills. Most of the animals from June around May, June, a little bit of July, and then they start laying their eggs, which takes sixty days for pines and 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 southern hogs. Uh, and so the babies are the pines are usually born mid to late September, and then cymus are clocks. I mean first. Week of October, boom, they're all coming out of the ground. They usually stay in the egg underground for a while, and when they pip, and then they start mm-hmm. coming out. So they're probably pipping towards the end of September, but then they're surface active, coming out from underground in October. And you can find the babies from October all the way into November. And in Central Florida, if it's warm enough, maybe the first – I found them the first week of December, and then boom – the first kind of cold front, there they go underground, and they're dormant until uh, probably March. They might be, they might start coming up around March, and then the other thing is eastern hognose, heterodon platyrrhinus. They 
they double clutch. Uh, Southern hog nose do not double clutch. So you only see babies in October, but Eastern hog nose, you can find babies in June, July, and then again in uh, September, October, November. So they double clutch. But the funny thing with those, those are really pretty rare, except where there's some, you know, good populations in certain places, but Eastern hognose snakes have really declined. I find more Southern hognose in their habitat than I do the Easterns. Um, so that's another snake like the king snake that's really declined in Florida. I mean, the Southern hognose have declined only because of habitat uh, destruction more than I think anything else. But yeah, as far as, you know, looking for, for Sandhill stuff, it's, it's a day thing. And like I said, in the spring, no bluebird sky, no high pressure, but in the fall, I don't, it, 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 it doesn't matter. Um, it could be a bluebird sky last, last year we went out, um, we saw the temp change. It was a bluebird sky. And I found I find lots of baby simus on bluebird skies, but we went out, and as long as the temps are good, which they like it when all of a sudden it, there's a change in temp and it gets a little bit cooler, it gets them going. And I think it's they know that the season's about done. We got to get food in us because we're going to be, you know, dormant for a while. So the first few weeks of October when, when the, the weather changes, boom, they're out, everything's out. Pines, uh, Simus, all that stuff. Uh, they're moving around on the roads and they're getting hit and this, that, and the other. But yeah. So the rule for me is high pressure in spring. No high pressure in the fall. It's fine with, with good temps. I mean, my, my favorite temp in the fall and is 74 degrees. It could be, it could be 50 or 60 degrees, uh-huh. you know, in the morning. But once that temp shoots up 74, boom, you'll start seeing stuff. So that's, that's, a, big, that's a big deal for the fall. To me, I, I call the fall, instead of hogtober, I call it herptober. <laughs> because I can, find, I can find a bunch of stuff in the fall that I usually don't find all year round, even the spring. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, the fall, if, if – to me, for herping the sandhills, the best months is May and June and October, November. Those are your best months for herping sandhills and pretty much all of herping in Florida in general. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder yeah. I'm not finding anything. <laughs> when, <laughs> when, when do you come? Well, my in-laws are, are live down there, but they live, um, and I, it's usually in the summertime. You know, yeah, so. <laughs> sometimes I, I mean, like August, September, I, I just I don't, I don't do much. August and September, that's when I will go out in the evening, uh-huh. and the the crows will, will move. Uh, August, September is when the canebrakes and the diamondbacks are breeding, and they breed, and their young are born. Because I think they it takes them like a year to gestate, or around a year. So some of them are or mating for the next year. And some of them they're, they're, they're having babies. So okay. you'll find, you'll find adults and babies into, into the night, but mostly they, they, we find them mostly. And I find them like 
in the afternoon, like four or five o'clock. It's really weird. That's when they move the, the most. But, you know, the Canes will move into the night where the Diamondbacks, you might see one of those once in a while at night, but most of those are moving in the afternoon or the early morning in August really? or September. Yep. Okay. That's especially when I was when I was working the um, this, the pine snake study and I was driving to work uh, in the mornings in August September I'd see I'd see Diamondbacks and then when I'd leave to to go back I'd see them on the roads but during the day I wasn't like if I was driving around I wasn't seeing them at all moving it was just a morning and a late afternoon thing so yeah that's that's pretty much. You know how you want to herp the sand hills, daytime, uh, the spring, rolling clouds. The fall can be clouds, uh, can be high pressure. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter um, at all. And uh, you know, with the baby simus, once they come up, they got to disperse. So if they're up and it's raining, there's I I have seen some on sprinkling days. You know, even when I wouldn't hurt, I wouldn't even think that you'd see something. You 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 might find them on the road because they they've got to disperse time to come up and find where they're going to live. Yeah, for sure. Um, one other interesting thing I've seen from your video videos and what you've talked about here that's um, definitely kind of a change of mindset or mentality or whatever um, from a lot of the places that I've been is the preponderance of cruising on dirt roads as opposed to um, asphalt or bitumen. Yes. Um, what? So what's that about? Well, that's about temperature. Um, a it's snake will come up to a – well, first of all, I've seen even on a dirt road, I've seen a, a baby simus or even an adult get to the middle of the road and freak out and turn around and go back. Lots of times you'll see a lot of tracks like that too. They turn around and go back. Um, but temperature, the roads here in the summertime, even in the fall, the roads here are going to get a hundred and some degrees from the sun. So, you know, they're there. They'll come up to the road, feel that heat and say, nah, or get on it and be like, Oh my God. You know, and you'll see them like, you'll see a hog nose that goes really slow, like flying across the road because he's burning up, you know, so he's, he can't sit there. So the dirt roads don't get as hot. So they don't mind crossing. And most of the dirt roads are more through suitable habitat too, even though there's a lot of hard roads that are, but it's that temperature thing that keeps them from crossing. Yep. Interesting. So do you think they're, in your experience with it, is it, is it mostly that they're coming out to have that sort of open access to basking or the substrate that has been heated up, you know, in the case of the dirt road? Or is it that they're tr- kind of transiting point A to point B? I think it's point A to point B, especially the babies. You know, you don't see as many adult uh, H. simus at all like you do the babies. Um I did find this this year I had a great year for adults in the spring. You're going to find adults in the spring. You never find babies in the, in the spring. Um, I, I ne- have never seen it. The only time I found uh, it was uh, an October baby. I found it in March. It was really weird. But I've never seen babies um, 
in the spring. I've only found adults. And, you know, if, if it used to be if I find one or two adults, it was great. This year I found eight. But I, I changed things up, and I, I, I had a different approach this year, um, trying to figure out stuff with temperature. And I'm not going to say too much about that, but I, I, I started learning a little bit with temperature in their movement. And I got eight adults this year and one DOR, so nine. And that was like, wow. But I did change up a little bit how I approached it. So, yeah. But yeah, dirt roads. That's super interesting. Yeah, dirt roads are definitely important. Yeah, a lot of my videos you'll see me with a temp gun. And that and that's yeah. yeah, that's something you really can start figuring out stuff with temps and stuff like that. Um yeah, there's a lot of science to it. Once you it's not just about getting out there and just driving around on a road like everybody does, you know. It's, there's a little bit more to it. And that's luckily from, you know, the studies I've done and being out there and being more specific with a specific habitat, you learn more than just, just going all over the place. You know, a lot of people, and I get it, they just want to go out and see snakes. You know, I could go out and see snakes. I, I want to see the ones I want to see. I want to see the ones that you don't see that often. Um, I'd rather find you know, two or three cymacy or nothing else than a bunch of cottons or water snakes or racers. It's just, it's just like, it'd be like going out in my backyard, just collecting the knolls. I mean, what, what challenge is that? You know? So, and, and the other yeah, thing is I love, I, I love being outdoors. That's first and foremost is being out in the habitat. Uh, if you're, if you're not, if you don't enjoy the habitat first, you're just, you know, you're just out there to to find a, an animal to put on Instagram or or Facebook or whatever. Then you know, <laughs> then that's okay. That's what you want to do. But me, I want to be out in the habitat. I love seeing the the trees, the wire grass, the, you know, the other animals. And if I don't see anything, so what? You know, I was I'm lucky enough to be out there and enjoying nature and it's just beautiful uh, so i hate seeing it altered so like i said i'd yeah, rather 100%. find one or two pines a year one pine a year a couple of cymas if i'm lucky one short tail i'm happy <laughs> you know yeah no that sounds really good i you know and it it uh hits to me in the sense that for the most part, I sort of have that same perspective, and I prefer to, you know, find stuff hiking even than road cruising. I know, yeah. you know, all of my Florida friends have been saying, oh, you know, in terms of where we're going and this time of year or whatever, that, yeah, cruise and dirt roads. But, um, you know, my own predilection is is to hike stuff up. Do you have any thoughts yeah. on that? Well, here's the deal with hiking. Florida's temperature is warm all the time. So, and I've said, I think I've I alluded this fairly well in one of my videos. It's not like, you know, Georgia where you're going to get temp changes where the snakes are going to be out showing their bodies more in the sun. Here, they can be at a dark bush and it could be, you know, 80 degrees in the shade. So, you know, looking for them hiking is a lot more difficult. 
because when they're basking, they're in the bushes. They might have like a loop of their body in a, in just showing a little bit in the sun or they're in the thatch and the sun is heating it up. They don't show themselves as much. And that's why everybody in Florida road cruises because you catch them with their pants down crossing a road, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that's, that's the, that's, that's just it. So I I mean, we rode basking type of deal, right? Yeah. We, we rode a spot on Sunday because for the last few years, October 1st, we found baby Simus on the road. And this time we didn't find any. It was really strange, but it seems like the cooler temperatures came sooner last year. But we were we rode for six and a half hours on Sunday. I saw two coach whips cross. Um, two coach whips we saw, and we got a rough green snake. And after we were getting ready to leave. Six and a half. We got there at nine o'clock. It was three, almost three thirty. I said, "Let's go. I'm done. I mean, if they're not going to come out now, they're not coming out at all." And I said, "But let's let's do this one loop before we leave." I got I got a feeling. So we did this this loop that's a little bit off of our regular route, and boom, <laughs> we got a baby pine snake. I mean, that's how it is sometimes in the sand hills. You might go all day. You get one snake, but if it's a pine, you know, or a short tail <laughs> or a simus or something like that, indigo, you're like, right. it was worth it. You know, it's sure. not a numbers, it's not a numbers thing in the sand hills. People need to understand that. It's really not a, if you're finding like like five or six simus in a day of babies, you're in a good spot. You know? So those places are far and few between now. I know in Georgia there's a there's a there's a spot that right now there's a lot of simus. And that people go there all the time. They're going there instead of Florida now. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not a numbers thing in the sand hills at all. You know, it's it's finding a diamond instead of a a rock. You know, so that's the way I look at it. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. So, kind of transitioning into. Um, sort of bigger picture stuff. What's the craziest either circumstance or animal that you found? Like what, what's the, when you think back on it and say like, this was the best either between the experience, the animal, the, you know, just the whole, the whole situation or just saying, Oh, I've only ever seen one of X. And that was, you know, the one off that, that well, I always cherish. What, what fits in there for you? Well, well, that, that's really easy because the first thing that always comes to mind was the first Simus I ever found. I had, was given that one Simus I talked about earlier. Somebody gave it to me from a pet store, which got me all like. So one day I went out to this spot in central Florida. Um, and I went out there during the day. And I was I was going to try to find a Simus or a pine or something. It was an area they were in. They're not. I don't even know if they're there anymore. I haven't found any there. But So I went to this one spot in the morning and I hunted around. Uh, there's supposed to be indigos there. I didn't see anything. It was, when it was July. I, you know, I guess July is not a good time for indigos, but they were supposed to be there. It's supposed to be pines, hog nose. I didn't find any. So I was driving, I was, I left that place and I was getting ready to come home and I saw this little, uh, 
um, wildlife area, but a parking place. I parked. I walked in there. I hiked down the trail, and all of a sudden, this was July. I I look in front of me, and there's an adult uh, female gravid eight simus. And I, it was the first one I ever walked up on, or I ever found, period, in my life. And that's the one I'll never forget. And that that even propelled me even more. <laughs> so, and I've, to this day, I keep going back there to try to recreate that, and I've yet to find another one there. <laughs> I mean, I find them everywhere else. Right. And I, I, I try to recreate that. I go at the same time of the year, the same week. The same moon phase. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just like, God dang, yeah. I can't find them here for nothing. I don't even know if they're still there. They should be. It right. hasn't been disturbed any. I just can't find one. So, yeah, that that's definitely, you know, e- even more than finding my first short tail snake. That's the one that, that's, that I'll never forget for sure. Yep. Well, that's fantastic. Are you, um, I know, you know, certainly loud and clear relative to Sandhills. Is there any place, uh, I did, I have seen a few videos that you put out where you went to, uh, South, Southern and so- Southeast Arizona. And then just, uh, mm-hmm. what earlier this summer you went to, uh, Vegas to go yeah. up into Southwest Utah and all. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, you know, I've got to break it up a little bit here and there. And my, my buddy Garrett Kraft, he, he really likes uh, doing the Western stuff. He, you know, he's sick of Simus. <laughs> he goes to me. He's, he's like, dude, man, can you can you can we do anything else besides this? So he 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 also he's a uh, he's a um, he's actually he's got a a doctorate degree in chemistry. So he's a he's a rocket in, a rocket engineer. He works for Honeywell Aerospace. So he's there's. There's uh, work out there for him that he flies out there now, but I've gone with him out there just, just for me, it's, I just want to see what the habitat looks like and and where people find this and that, even if I don't find it, just to feel like I'm a part of it. When I see photos or videos, um, I'm like, okay, I understand that, you know? So that's, that's major, major, you know, sure, it's it's great when we find stuff, but um, other than that, it's it's just to change it up a little bit. Uh, Georgia, I like I like going to Georgia because of the uh, the king snakes, the flip them. It's kind of like the old days, you know. And okay, uh, yeah. But other than that, yeah, I mean, I like going on trips. I hate the plane rides, but uh, you know, I, I I got a buddy who's in the Air Force. He's He's going to be stationed in um, Missouri, and uh, I want to do some milk flipping there. So I might do that next year. So we'll see. Very cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I think Rob feels the same way uh, about uh, your friend feels about Simus as he feels about carpet pythons with me. <laughs> uh, another carpet python. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, it's just my passion. It's like, I, I want to be remembered for, for, for one thing kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And it's yeah, just man. my passion and, and I get it. And I tell, you know, 
Garrett, he 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 went to um, Guatemala a month or so ago, and you know he was finding incredible stuff. Right. You know the green palm viper and all kinds of crap. And then last year he went to he went to Mexico. You know the cartel were like chasing him and stuff, and he found all kinds of stuff. You know he found <laughs> milk snakes that he found milk snakes the size of indigos. You know I was like, wow, what is that? <laughs> you know so. Wow. Yeah, he's but you know he's he's thirty is he thirty seven years old? And I'm sixty four. I don't feel like fighting cartel. So yeah, <laughs> but I, I you know I I he he's been hurt with me since he was in his twenties. He was he was going to uh, USF getting his doctorate in uh, chemistry. So he's Doctor Kraft now. But I used to pick him up in the in the mornings and we'd go herping before he goes to uh the lab to do his his doctorate stuff whatever but yeah he's garrett is a amazing herper he uh he's got eyes like a <laughs> better than a hawk he can see he can see like a, a a safety pin on the road at 60 miles an hour or, or even smaller i i can't believe the stuff he sees and uh <laughs> Yeah, he sees everything, he, and he's a, he's a bug guy. He knows all the bugs, the spiders. He he knows all the inverts. Um, so yeah, he's he's too smart for his his own pants. But he's uh, you know you you get with a hurt buddy, and you guys you you know you trust each other because of spots. You know, spots are always a big deal. You know, sure, and uh, yeah. it's it's. It's 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 made and 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 broke relationships, friendships, uh, enemies, and this. It's really sad what spots do in this herping community. That's why I'm just I'd rather hurt by myself or with just him and and Daniel Parker uh, and, and a couple other people, and that's it. And mostly I go by myself. So you know, I got a lot of people message me, and it's like. I can't, I can't herp with everybody and I can't give away, right. You know, sensitive areas that are not really mine to give away, or I don't want a million people go in there, which I I don't know how to stop that. It's not, you know, I'm not trying to stop it, but it's, it's a very sensitive, it's probably be a good podcast for a bunch of herpers to be on, you know, good, but Six yeah. or seven herpers on a podcast, and, and everybody <laughs> hash it out. You know, <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. Because there's, the, yeah, it's like you know, you if somebody, you know, Rob, he does all this research about the spots we go to, so he kind of finds the spots without necessarily finding the spots. But you know, he's yeah. he's, he's he's not necessarily having people tell him here, or there, or whatever. But um, I don't know. That's I can see both sides to that. That's a that's a. It, it's 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 a it's a tough one, man. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 been the, it's been probably the the biggest downer of of herping for me is the spots situation. Yeah, because if you don't tell people, then you come across as elitist, or you're trying to yep. just have yep. everything for yourself. Yep. If you do, yep. then they could go there and ruin. You know, it's just <laughs> I've had people stuff, man. Yeah, I have people message me, you know, and they're like, "Well, God, you know, why are you being, you know, why, you know, why, why can't you take me out? Why can't you yeah. mentor me here? Why can't you?" And I'm like, "I'm like, dude, 
Because you're like the the 10th or 20th person who's asked me. <laughs> I mean, I can't keep track. You know, everybody's like, like, can you take me out? You know, I want to see a sign that's really bad or, or, or you know, what? I'm just like, I, I, you know, what am I supposed to say? Yeah. You know, a lot of people I don't even answer and I feel terrible. And they're probably like, oh, he's an elitist or he's a. Yeah, it's just it's a slippery slope, and I just don't know how to handle it the right way. It's just, there's a no way. It's a no win situation. That's what it is. Yeah, I, no I, yeah. I don't think there is a right way. You know, you just no. There's uh, not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's your thoughts on that, Rob? You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, on the same hand, right? It's like I was going to say the other hand, but I don't know if it's the other one or the same one. Is that I don't even know if they'll get the same joy and enjoyment out of it. Like, so notice, right. right. And as I right. all our conversation, I haven't asked you because I don't, I don't want you to tell me, you know, I don't right. want to ask you and I don't want you to tell right. me because right. it won't mean the same to me. Right. But some people are so like, they got to find it so bad. I, you know, it's like, you got to find their life or it's, it's life or death instead of life or it's their life or death. And it's like, Come on, man. You know, it's, it's a hobby. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and it's, well, and it's I just, just capitalizing on your work too. Like that they're asking for the, you know, Cliff Notes version of what's been <laughs> years of work on your part. Right. And, and I tell people, I'm like, I'm like, just watch my videos. You'll figure it out. Go to my website. I give so much, I give so yeah, much right. information. It's like, it's like, why do you want me to take you? It's like, I'm not right. going to hold you. You know, you, you don't need to have your hand held, you know, uh, go yeah, out there you, yourself you, relative to taking in that information and figure, yeah. see if you've figured it out or not. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's for been sure. the whole fun for me. It's like, like these spots that, that, that these herpers go to now, I don't even want to go to them. I try to find my own. I'm, I'm in way different places than they are. And they're all congregated in the same place. And I, I don't want to have nothing to do with them. That's not any fun for me. And I know there's just, there's nothing that you can do about it. I get it. You know, there's a lot of people and, and, and herping is one of those things where you're just driving around and, you know, joyriding, having fun and something to do instead of just sitting around. You see things, take pictures of cool animals. I get it. Yeah. So, I, you know, <laughs> watch my videos, go to my website. A lot of people <laughs> figure out stuff from my website. Trust me. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. What was it? I mean, what that that if <clears throat> in fact, in fact, I get, I get, I get crap from my website. I've got guys telling me, why'd you put that county on there? Why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? Jeez, man, there's field guides out there that show it, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And at the same time, like if someone does that you, that you do know, or comes like, if it is someone that you're sort of building a relationship with, and then they do share a spot with you, that can be really bonding. And it just in a way that someone sending you an email or a message saying like, Hey, where should I go? It's just not the same thing at all, right? It's well, it's a, yeah. And, and, and let me tell you, friend experience, you know. For some reason, Simon spots are like the most friend breakups <laughs> of any spot in, in herping. There's something about these freaking Simons. I don't know what the hell it is. If it's because I've created it or, or something, but my God, it's like a Simon spot is like. Uh, um, gold man it's like right 
<laughs> everybody, you know, was coming to Florida to find them or they want to see them, you know, and everybody's messing. I really want to see a assignments. I really want to see one. Can you help me anyway? And, and I've been wanting to see one. I haven't never seen one. I've been hunting for 10 years. I've never seen one. I mean, it's not my fault. <laughs> I mean, I feel like, I feel, I feel like they're, it, they're blaming me. Or I, I get, I get guilt, man. I'm yeah. sorry you haven't found one. I mean, what do you want me to do? Like I said, I can't take everybody. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could. It, it, you know, if it helped the species, if it helped the habitat, if it helped, sure, I'd try to take everybody. But right. that's just, just not not the way it works. Yeah. So, uh, oh well. So anybody yeah, out there listening to this, please, I'd love to take you. I, you know, I just can't, I can't take everybody. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And <clears throat> yeah, I think I'm with Rob. You get more enjoyment out of it when you, you know, I mean, Rob basically does the work for our trips, but you know, uh, it's still when you stumble upon it, because I think that's the thing with Herpin too, right? I mean, yeah, you could be in the perfect habitat at the perfect time, and but still, it's just a chance that you're crossing right. paths with that snake well, at that time, you know? Yeah, well, that's what I say. It, there's an equation. It's geometry, time, <laughs> and dumb luck. Serious. Road cruising, <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you put it on a map, and you put a road on a map, and you put a snake over to the side that's going to cross, it's geometry, time, and dumb luck. Yep. If you stop to take a piss, you either going to catch him on the road or he's already crossed. Right. You know, that, that piss right. that you took could either make or break your day. Sure. You know? Yeah. You stop to go eat and come back. I went, we stopped, go to Subway, come back. There's tracks all over the road. Shit. You know, it's like, ah, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you know, I missed him while we were eating. Right. You know? This is why Rob never wants to eat on herp trips. <laughs> <laughs> you got to take it with you. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, awesome. I'm telling you, it's true. I, I don't. <laughs> I bring my my food with me now, or, or if I do go to eat, it's because I don't care if I miss one. You know. Right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's happened to me, man, a million times. <laughs> so, yeah. I guess we've had the opposite luck, Rob, right? Because we've done, because I usually do something stupid. It puts us in a spot. <laughs> yeah. I think it just works all the different ways between every, yeah. you know, sometimes it's like, oh, we did that and that, you know, and it wound up working out. Uh, you know, as I say, I think maybe the difference is the, these dirt roads, they're probably giving you more insight into what you didn't see than if you're, obviously, yes. if you're on a, you know, paved yes. road, you don't have the Ooh. insight into, oh, I'm yes. You just yes. dead, but you won't be yes. like, you know. Yeah. I, I can and and from all the years of seeing tracks, I, I know I pretty much know what each snake is by just the oh. track. Awesome! Because I've seen so many, and I've seen the snake make the track, etc. Right. So I know what I know what what's there now. That's that's why I came up with Ghosts of the Sandhills. I was me and Garrett were driving one day okay. in the Sandhills, and you know we were seeing all these tracks. We kept going around that we, we, we have a loop that we do in this one place and we drive around. I mean, we do, we do tight loops so we don't miss anything and we come around and there's a track right across the room. We put, what the heck? And I said, and that's when I started saying, these are ghosts of the sand hills, man. 
You just never see them. They're there everywhere, but you just don't see them. <laughs> so that's when I started saying ghosts of the sandhills. And it's perfect for pines because the way they look and, you know, their color is really light. Um, so that's, that's how I came up with ghosts of the sandhills. Because there, there's tracks everywhere, and you just can't ever find a damn snake. <laughs> yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Um, yeah, and in fact, with the tracks, we've tracked snakes off the road. I don't know if you guys do that, but we'll we'll see a track, and if it's if it's not a race or a coach or something we don't care about, you get you look at the track, and you put your hand out, and you make a line from where it's at to the woods and you just start walking in that line and we've walked up snakes off the road that way. Interesting. Yep. That's, that's, that's a little tracking right there. <laughs> yep. No, I mean, uh, this one guy that's taught me about that a long time ago. Uh, I was with him and he's like, well, we're going to track them off the road. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. He goes, watch. And I saw a track, he gets out and he goes, this is what you do. You just put your hand like this. And the snake usually doesn't veer right or left. He goes, keeps going straight into the habitat. And we did it and we walked up a pine snake. So Garrett and I, uh, Garrett got a pine snake that way. We saw a track. He, he gets out. I keep road cruising. He follows the track in the woods. So I don't miss anything coming out in the road. And I come back and he's got a pine snake in his hand. And we knew it was a pine track. We've done, we've caught two pine snakes that way and a couple of Simons. Yep. You can do it. <laughs> Usually they don't go too far. If, if it's a fresh one, like, like we'll, we'll know because the track will be over our tires track. So I know it's fresh, you know? Uh, okay. Yep. yep. That's how you know it. I mean, and we run, we, what I learned, I'm going to give away something here for herpers. I learned don't drive in roads four or five miles. You want to drive a road back and forth two or three miles. If you know that you're in a good spot and you know that they're breeding there or they're there, you don't need to be driving, you know, five, six, seven miles on a road, especially, especially here in Florida for the sand hills. I have tight, tight laps, two, three miles, and that's it. I mean, I'm up and down that road, and our tire tracks are all you see on the road. And then when we see a track, it's over our tire tracks. We're like, oh, we missed it, <laughs> but it, it could be right there on the side of the road in the bushes. Right. And nine times out of ten, it, that's where it's at. That's cool. So, <laughs> <coughs> so anybody hearing this now, you just got a, you just got a little, a little um, secret of the sand hills. Right. Well, in that same vein, what's your preferred uh, cruising speed, especially on a dirt road? So it's going to be quite different. Probably. Okay. Well, my eyes space. suck. I, I can see baby Simus. That's about all I can see. They're like, it's like instinct in me. But I don't go as fast as Garrett. Like I said, Garrett, there's some herpers that drive 60 miles an hour. Now, I, I wouldn't do that on a dirt road. I don't think he does. He, he goes, well, he, no, he goes pretty fast on a dirt road. <laughs> so... So when he's when he's driving, it's faster than me. Um, now, if we're looking for short tails, we go a little slower. They're, they're smaller. They look like pine needles on the road, but um, it just depends what we're looking for. 
but yeah, I mean, speed, it, I, I, I think it's what you're comfortable with. I've seen guys in the sand hills flying and they're running over snakes. They, they're running over baby Simons. They don't even know they're hitting them. Right. I'm behind them in their yeah. dust. And I'm like, dude, you just ran over a baby Simons that you were looking for, you know? <laughs> so unless you know right. what, what you're doing, don't do it. <laughs> that's I guess I that's all advice generally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's not working. And that's, that's usually when I got somebody like that out, I, I leave, I go to another spot. I got so many spots that it's, I just leave. If there's herpers coming, they're just driving the roads back dust everywhere and they're flying. And I'm just like, I'm out of here. That's not worth it. Like I said, I'm not here just for the snakes, you know? So, yep. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what it is. Tracks and dirt and short, short loops on your, on your, your runs because we were learning, we were missing too much stuff. So it's kind of like a, make an equation. You either, you either have better luck in a short area where there's a better chance of one coming out at some point, like we did the other day with that pine, or you're driving all over the County and you're just getting dumb luck. And one cross that you just got lucky on the, the percentages of finding stuff in an area is better in a shorter loop than a longer loop. It's that's, that's what I've learned. If I'm driving too far, then I'm missing what, what I could have found. So the whole key is at some point, something's going to come out in this, this small loop I'm at. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm looking for or hoping for is that something at some point is going to cross there because I'm in, I'm in where they're at. I'm in where they're breeding and that's my best percentage. So I'm going to stick with it. So, so my whole rule of thumb is you never leave an area that you're going to hurt. Even if it sucks, it seems so terrible. Like the other day, six and a half hours, boom. After six and a half, there it was, you know? So right. that's what I've learned. I learned that all the way back from the uh, rare snake study. Because my job was to, um, I had routes in different counties and uh they were i had to go so many like kevin gave me these routes on a map and i had to i had to run them and i had to stick to them and the problem with that was he was he was putting me on hard roads like like we were talking earlier when it's too hot and i was like kevin if I could just go on the road over there, I'm going to find one. <laughs> He's like, Nope, the study, the, you know, the study scientific, you got to stay, you know, you got to do so many laps on this road. I sent you and it has to be that way. And you can't veer from it. And, and I'm riding these roads and I'm looking over and I'm like, Oh my God, if I was over there, I know I'd find something, <laughs> you know, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Oh man. <laughs> so, yeah. So I learned a lot from from that study and then just boat cruising and i i wish there was more hiking here i mean the winter time is when i hike and you'll see that in my videos um because i i like hiking up say like like get you uh, king snakes on canals and stuff like that if i ever go to them um it's fun to to see them you know see a loop or a, 
a scale or a head or a tail just sticking out of the grass on the edge of a of a canal. You know, that's cool. Um, yeah. Or, you know, like in one of my videos, um, it's a huge diamondback, I think is the, uh, the name of the video. Um, it was one of those bluebird sky days in, in this, in the sand hills. So I was like, I had seen a, a slide into a tortoise bird, uh, during the fall. And I was like, well, there's nothing happening. I'm just going to drive to it and just, just for the heck of it, just go look. So I went to that burrow and it's in my video and I just walked because I learned with the pine snakes, they, they bask 10 to 20. They might be 20 yards away from the burrow. And then they'll work there. If they, once they know you're there and you mess with them, they, they start working their way back to the burrow. So I saw this, I went back to this burrow and I didn't see any slide, but I walked, like I said, 10, 20 feet all around it. And underneath, you'll see in the video, a bush, it's a giant diamondback with a rabbit. He had eaten a rabbit and uh, he was just basking like I used to see the pine snakes. Right. And, uh, so, yeah, do stuff like that. This has been fantastic. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. no problem. I, yeah. I love talking about it. Um, I probably said more than what I should have. I'm probably going to have some friends busting my, my, you know what, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that goes along with the herping, man. I'll have to deal with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we, well, we appreciate it. And yeah, definitely. Uh, you're not wrong. There's a ton of good stuff there, but I think in completely the right way in the sense that it's talking about ideas and concepts. You know, yeah. not, oh, go to X, Y, and Z. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, what I want to do is, like I say, you know, protecting, I want people to enjoy the habitat more than, than going to find an animal and taking a picture of it and getting fame, you know? It's a lot of times I'm out there and I probably miss stuff because I'm looking at trees, you know, and I'm driving by. And, and that, <laughs> to me, that's, that's the most right. important thing. So. And, you know, and like I said before, with the indigo snake, you know, they, they should they should list trees. They should list turkey oak trees. I mean, if certain trees were listed and couldn't be cut down, then they'd have to save the habitat. You know, that's not going to happen. So you list an animal, and I'm like, huh. So you destroy their house, but you protect them. Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know destroy yeah. my house right. where i don't have any place to live but protect me you yeah. know yeah keep me keep me protected but i have no place to live i have nothing to eat uh, i i have no shelter uh but i'm protected so you know don't mess with me <laughs> that's that's the part that just blows my mind man i just sure. i just like this stupid and, and and I think I, I talked about this with you guys when I talked to you a week ago. It's like, um, what was I going to say? Crap. Hold on a minute here. I got to remember it. Ah, I got too much going on in my head right now with this stuff. <laughs> protecting the habitat and protecting the species and. And not the habitat. It just it just makes no sense. Anyway, 
So I, I can't remember what I was what I was thinking of, but oh, was it the indigo? Well, we talked. I think it was the update the, on the, the gopher tortoise, the the change in the law around filling up the burrows and all that. Oh well, that. yeah, that that's another good one. It used to be where the developers would pay the fines to cover up the tortoises. They just cover them up with bulldozer. It was cheaper for them to pay the fine than, than to relocate them. And then they changed the law here in Florida. You have to relocate them. Well, they're relocating them, but they're, 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 they're either spreading disease or they're putting too many in one spot. And for find out, the majority of them die anyway. So it's, it, it makes no sense. So, yeah, I was yeah. going to say, isn't there um, like, well, I don't know if, the, I don't know where this was, but wasn't there a study, maybe it was carpet pythons, um, where they would relocate them and they wouldn't do well? No, they're not going, you can't, you can't really relocate snakes. Yeah. They have home ranges. You relo- right. relocate a pine, an adult pine snake and it, it's going to just keep traveling until it dies. To no, try to get terrible. back to where it knows. And the only way you can do that is with babies that have just hatched. And if you put them in the correct habitat, then then they can, you know, they have the food source, they got the correct habitat, then yeah, they, they might be okay. But you don't, you know, an adult's gonna try to find its way back, it's gonna cross a road. Same with tortoises. The the ones I've seen that they are relocating, they build a huge a silt fence like acres and acres of silt fence and they put them in there till they establish, they start, you know, making burrows. And then after a year or two, they'll, they'll, they'll remove the silt fence. But within that time, there's so many in there, a lot of them die. So wow. yeah, it's just makes no sense. Protect the habitat. That's all you gotta do. Right. Protect trees. Yeah. They don't makes protect sense. trees. They protect animals because, you know, uh, you, once an animal's listed, then you get grant money to study mm-hmm. it. But you don't get any grant money before <laughs> it's listed. So, right. <laughs> so they're making money on them being listed so that they can study them. Yeah, it makes no sense. It's backwards, right? <laughs> no, it, it, the whole thing is backwards now. And I used to be one of the ones, oh, wow, you know, indigos are protected. They're going to do great now. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> They're not, they're doing terrible, terrible. Mm, That's a shame. What an impressive snake. (sighs) And you've got, and let me tell you, like, like Kevin, uh, my, my boss, my old boss, whatever he, there's, there's one thing here with invasives in one of these conferences, somebody, a biologist was like, Oh, well, well, greenhouse frogs. You know, they're invasive. They need to go. Well, first of all, greenhouse frogs, little tiny frog, they're everywhere. To kill them, you're going to have to kill everything for once thing. And then Kevin said, a lot of the endemic species are eating them in Florida now. Without them, they might die off. So mm. <laughs> what, what are you going to do? It's, it's, you can't, you can't just change everything. I mean, greenhouse frogs, uh, they were here. In the 60s, when I was a kid, I called them meter frogs because they were always in the, uh, the water meter at my house. I called them meter frogs, but they're greenhouse frogs. <laughs> they're invasive. Yeah. But I, I mean, I think Daniel told me they were, they were found here in the 1860s and they want to get rid of them. <laughs> I, sometimes I just think it's biologists need something to do. Mm-hmm. You know, they got to have work or something. I get it. But 
it, it makes no sense. So, you know, you got stuff like that happening everywhere. What are you going to do? Yeah. Protect the habitat or at least. Try yeah, to, right? exactly. <laughs> once you do that, everything's taken care of. Right. 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 Uh, uh, don't protect the species, protect the habitat. Like I said, I used to think, oh, yeah, they're going to protect indigo snakes. Wow. This is great for them. Nope. It was a death sentence. And right now they want to, they want to list simus and short tails. That's on the list right now to federally um, list them. And that, and like I said, that's just to, to get grant money. And once they do that, I think that's a death sentence to, to them too. So, because to me, once it has that status, you're going to get people wanting to collect them. They're worth more. You know, people in other states other than Florida are going to want them. Oh, they're protected. I want one of those. You know, I want a white rhino. I want a, a rhino uh, uh, horn. I want a, a tusk from an elephant because you're not supposed to have it. You know, there's a death sentence to them. I, I used to think, oh, yeah, protect, protect Simus. That'd be great. You know, they're protected in North Carolina. Uh, Jeff Bean protected them. Their numbers are way down. It didn't help them. So, you know, it hasn't worked. Look, look at what has worked and what hasn't. You know, look that, that the animals in their natural habitat are still there. Those are the ones that are okay. In the, in the large tracts of, of unchanged land, you know? I mean, look at Arizona, all that land and all those snakes there. There's tons of habitat there. But even there, they're having some problems, you know? So, right. Mm. Well, thanks so much, Glenn. Yeah, there's a ton to chew on here and got me super excited. I'm sure Eric's super excited. And, uh, uh, yeah, it'll be all that much more meaningful when we're there and can see, you know, kind of visualize the details beyond them, you know, beyond what we've seen in the videos. Yeah. Where where are you guys? Are you guys coming to Florida soon or? Yeah. Six days. uh, (laughs) Oh, six days. Whereabouts? Um, well, should we wrap it here and then we, we, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll talk talk about that. Okay. All right. Well, thanks everyone. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll check in with you when we're back. Okay. And thanks so much for having me. I I enjoyed it and I got a chance to vent. That's great. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So yeah, Glenn, if you want to hang on for a sec, Eric, you want to wrap it up? Yep. Yep.